Welcome back, listeners, and Happy New Year to a brand new episode, the first of 2024. I believe it's the first, correct? Yes. Yes, the yes. first of 2024. We haven't done one in the last three days. Yes, the first one in 2024. I want to welcome everybody back to the show. Have my partner in crime once again to kick off the year. Neil, what's up, Big Neil? It, uh, it's going to be a great year, Lance. We're uh, more than excited to kick things off 2024 here on the new standard. We have what's become typical and something that has been affiliated with each season of the new standard as far as the Steelers are concerned, a Week 18 playoff game. Um, it's interesting for the Steelers because they typically need to do more than just win in order to get into the playoffs. Uh, and this year is no different. The Steelers need a win over the Ravens Sunday. We do not know at this point uh, what they plan to do as they've already clinched the top seed in the AFC, and rightfully so. Whether they will play their starters or not, the Steelers need to win this game and then get a loss from either the Bills or shoot. It's let me give it since you jumped into it. Let me jump into it real quick. Pittsburgh win, they can clinch with the win plus a Buffalo loss or a a Jacksonville loss or tie, and a Houston or Indy tie or Pittsburgh tie plus Jacksonville loss. Plus, Houston Indy doesn't end in a tie or Jacksonville loss. Denver win plus Houston Indy. Yes, yes. On and on and on and on. Looking at the losses, Jacksonville or Buffalo. One of those teams lose along with a Steelers win in its simplest form. That will put the Steelers into the playoffs. I normally like to write off the tie scenarios because they are uh, massive and numerous, except that almost happened a couple of years ago. (laughs) We thought the Steelers were in. They needed, um, it, 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 uh, I think it, it was a Raiders-Chargers game. I forget which team would be in if they tied. Um, I, I want to say it was the Chargers, and the Raiders had to hit like a 50-yard field goal at the end of overtime uh, to eliminate Los Angeles from the postseason. Uh, since that almost happened, we're not going to think that it's going to happen again. What we know is the Steelers have... Um, not a great chance, but it's it's reasonable. It could happen. The Steelers could end Sunday uh, heading for the playoffs where, looking at the scenarios, most likely they would be heading to Miami uh, to take on the now uh, badly maligned Miami Dolphins, a team that has lost, I think, like four defensive starters in the last two weeks, uh, just got destroyed by the Ravens. <clears throat> Maybe the same Ravens team the Steelers will face. But what we know is the work is cut out for them. They've dug their grave. This is up to the Steelers now, not just to win, but to get some luck and continue riding the momentum that they have through the resurgence of one Mason Rudolph, a scenario that naturally all of us assumed was going to happen. The Steelers would be playing a, a, a Week 18 playoff game at Baltimore, the top seed in the AFC, with Mason Rudolph, their quarterback, and Mason Rudolph might be the guy that kept them in the playoff hunt into Week 18. A bizarre year, uh, to put it mildly, but bizarre is typical for this team nowadays. It's crazy, Lance. I I don't know what to say about it. Oddly, though, we go back to our predictions at the beginning of the year. Uh, I said 10-7, and and a win 
against the Ravens would make them 10 and seven. And I didn't think I'd be this disappointed about a 10 and seven uh, season, but hold that, hold that crazy. Hold that. And we'll, we'll jump back into that. And as always, thank you everybody that's hopped on with us live. Big up to Mark Sloss, Joe V logs, Ali Howard species. Assalamu alaikum, my brother, Mr. Tummy and others who have hopped on. If you want to join us live, go to YouTube, do a search for the new standard, hop on live with us. And if you want to do it or, or grab the show via podcast, we just released YouTube podcast if you want to do it that way. Also, uh, thank you, Double H, for the super chat. Thank you, sir. Happy New Year to you and yours. Um, and also, you can hit us via podcast. Uh, however you get your podcast. I want to jump into the first topic of the show. And, and, and I wrote a question down, Neil, because of your experience in the media um, and, and working for several media outlets. And you have a good idea or a good understanding of how things work out in the media, how news gets released, so on and so forth. Quickly, very quickly, run through the Kenny drama and how is it such that two prominent uh, Pittsburgh news guys in Madden and DK can report such different things where it's coming out more and more uh, that Kenny Pickett did not refuse to be the number two. Um, and there were some circumstances behind it. Don't want to run into all the details, but just, just walk us through kind of how two very different reports about the same story uh, can get out there very quickly. To put it simply, it, if there's a certain amount of people that have exposure to a certain event and you ask two different people what they think about it, you very likely could get two different answers. What that really means is that it is not as black and white as it's being made out to be. I believe Mark Madden was told what he was told. I believe DK was told what he was told. The information differs, obviously, in how they are receiving it, and that comes down to who is telling you. I obviously don't know who is telling them, and I'm not going to say this is more credible than that. What I know is the presence of both stories means there's some thought to, to both sides of it. And logically speaking, we can see how that might have happened. Um, there's just a lot more to it that we don't know, and neither DK nor Madden went into great detail about. DK came out after the Madden report, in which case I might argue that if Pickett really did say flat out, no, I don't want to you know, be the, the emergency quarterback, the backlash of that is going to be such that the team is going to want to clean that up. They're not going to want to throw a player under the bus in, in this particular instance. You, you can see why it's just bad. They're not going to get anything from it. But to me, and this is what you and I discussed, Lance, that's the heart of the matter. I don't really know what Kenny Pickett would have to gain by doing that yeah. in the first place. So it's hard to believe it's as stark as Madden made it out to be. But that doesn't mean the source that told Madden is flat out lying. What it probably means to me, in, in my experience, Pickett was not happy about being the emergency quarterback. 
Pickett may have even said the words, I don't want to be the emergency quarterback. If you put that in the context of he wants to start, it makes a lot of sense. If saying that he refused to do anything but be the starter, there's there's a problem with that, understandably. Yeah. What I would say reasonably, though, is you had a player that was cleared on Thursday. Maybe he didn't feel right. Maybe Tomlin didn't think he had enough experience at that point. Maybe they just didn't bother to dress him because they they didn't want to. I I don't know. Um, initially, I thought the rule was if they used the emergency quarterback, that limited their practice squad call up players, which is something the Steelers couldn't do, uh, considering how shallow they are on defense and therefore on on special teams. That's not the rule anymore. Um, I with I, beyond that, I don't know any reason other than that, that makes sense. I can't think of another reason other than they just didn't feel right about Pickett uh, in, in his ankle, his leg, uh, enough to, to go in the game. They have a backup quarterback. They don't need him there. I, you know, I, I don't think it's as big a deal as people are making it out to be, but I, I do think the presence of that conversation where Pickett was perhaps not thrilled with the idea of being uh, the emergency quarterback, uh, it, I, I feel that exists. That doesn't mean that he flat out refused, though. That's a matter of how we want to interpret the information. And at the same time, I don't think the team is going to go out of its way to, to confirm that report anyway. So if we're getting 100% truth from everybody here, then, then we have the results uh, right in front of us. But we don't. It, it's confusing. Um, the fact, though, that he is dressed as the backup uh, for this game, or he's going to anyway, suggests um whatever issue it was it's been resolved so it, it yeah. may not be anything at all anymore yeah it was a nice it was just it's very interesting that it that it that it came up when i read it initially uh not bashing madden at all but when i read it initially i think of these stories from the perspective like you said is what does it serve the player i don't think it served kenny anything uh, in this regard. And if Tomlin is to believe, to be believed, um, I think that says something about Kenny as a player, just where he is from an experience level that, uh, that he's a guy that needs to practice. He needs to prepare. He's not a player right now that on short reps who hasn't played in a few weeks, you would trust to put out there, maybe like a more veteran guy, a more seasoned guy, like a Flacco or something. You see how Flacco's performing in a new offense, playing some of the best quarterback in the National Football League. I think it says uh, where Kenny is as a player in Houston, we might have a problem. I think what is clear is this offense is significantly better with Mason Rudolph. And you're waxing poetically about his throw in the fourth quarter to George Pickens. I don't even think did it justice. I think that might arguably have been the best throw of the Steelers season by far. That's one of the best throws this year by a quarterback. Uh, I mean, the way he was getting hit in the pocket, the way he delivered the football in the moment, in the situation, the ball placement, the execution was absolutely fantastic. But look at just a couple of these numbers. Last two weeks, the quarterback rating 124-114, 
first time this year in back-to-back weeks, the Steelers have had a quarterback rating of over 100. Yards per attempt last two weeks, 10.7 and 11.4. Back-to-back 400-yard games. And here's the thing. The 64 points that the Steelers have scored in the last two weeks is obviously 32 points a game, but more importantly, it represents 23% of the Steelers' total points for the season. You are getting, well, that you can read that stat a couple of ways because I saw Neil's chuckle like, man, 32 points is 23%. it it's it goes to show that this team is you know that their seventeen point a game average is reasonable. That that's right. You know I'm not I'm not surprised by that number. Um, they've blown up the last two weeks. There's no doubt about it. I, I I do want to stress some sense of caution, considering um, I don't put everything into opponent. Certainly not when you're the worst offensive team in football. The opposing defense is not worse than your offense. Okay, period. There, there's just no way you can argue that logically. What we have seen, though, is a, a resounding improvement from every unit on the field. We saw George Pickens blocking his ass off for for Jalen Warren on his touchdown. We saw both Warren and Najee going for for chunks of yards. We saw them win situational downs. Nothing better described than the 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 34 yard pass to Pickens which I went on about for half the show after the game I don't think people really understand how how massive of a play that was given the situation given the down and distance and given the fact that we saw the other two quarterbacks of this team fail repeatedly in that moment Rudolph did everything that those guys did not do delivered a catchable pass amid a lot of pressure flat-footed he didn't even get to throw he didn't even get to put his legs into it he had no room he was going to get hit he delivered a strike that the team absolutely needed him to step up and deliver that was a massive play massive and then Tomlin to have the confidence to throw the rhythm throw on uh, uh what was a first down when they're trying to kill the clock to pick up 20 yards and ice the game that's confidence that he has in his quarterback and his quarterback gave him reason to feel like that this is a completely different team than what we saw, which is really, you know, my thing is with Mason Rudolph, he's Cinderella man. He did not play like this previously. Don't tell me Tomlin should have known. No, nobody could have known that. He is completely different than he was. We hope it continues. It might just be your Josh Dobbs, two games of glory, but he's he is a vastly different player than he was when he played. It, it's remarkable. If you go back and watch where he was, that Lions game, the tie from two years ago, it's the last time Rudolph played. Okay, He hasn't played since then. The, the two games he's just put together, it's borderline miraculous compared to where he was. And you have to pay attention to that. Now, big up to Mark Sloss. Uh, Mark Sloss put up, they didn't want to see the video of Tomlin on NFL Films. Yeah, that was pretty compelling. That, that was a pretty compelling video of uh, Tomlin being showing the confidence in Mason Rudolph to do that. You know what I think when I said Houston, let me just say one thing real quick. I think confidence is everything in a player and attitude is everything uh, to a player Uh, and and for individuals just in their life. And I think right now uh, Mason Rudolph is letting them hang. I think right now he's playing with a, 
I D G A F. Hopefully, I got that right in yeah. terms of uh, yes. Okay, I think he's playing with an I D G A F mentality. That what does he have to lose? And I think that he is showing that on the field. And I think his last couple of weeks is why I say Houston, we might have a problem. I don't think there is an issue of Mason Rudolph being the starter for the Steelers next year. I don't think that's in the plans. That's what I'm guessing. Like you said, there is enough film on Mason Rudolph to suggest you don't want Mason Rudolph to be your future quarterback. I mean, some of that narrative has been written already. However, I think there's a problem in terms of can they retain Mason Rudolph next year? Will they retain Mason Rudolph next year? Will they bring him back? What is his market and what might it take to bring him back? And if they bring him back, what does that suggest? And would that cause a problem? That's what I'm talking about. When I say Houston, we might have a problem. How do you think this plays out for Mason Rudolph? And just just throwing some numbers out. What's his market? What's what what what's the contract look like for Mason Rudolph in, in 2024-25? Right now, I'm I'm just paging through. Generally speaking, this is not a, a great way to describe it, but 10,000 foot level in the NFL this year. For a player that was signed clearly to be a backup, you are looking at roughly $10 million for Andy Dalton, Jared Stidham, $11 million, Tyrod Taylor, Mitch Trubisky, $14 million for Tyler Heineke. That is where Rudolph has played himself into now. Um. I have that right. Trey Lance is not comparable. He's on a rookie deal, even if he isn't. It, yeah, Does that, he get the Mitch money? Rookie deal. He's, he's, my opinion, he easily gets the Mitch money. I mean, it, it's it's he Mason Rudolph is going to tack a premium onto his next contract because of how bad Mitch Trubisky was. That's the craziest thing about all of this. In that light, add in now. The fact that you just saw an NFL season in which the backup quarterback had significant value, which is to say it was so bad. There were teams, their their seasons were wiped out because of the lack of a decent backup quarterback. This is the example that I've been using. I watched something called Jaron Hall start for the Vikings this past weekend. He came in to replace the guy they thought was going to be their regular backup in um oh my god i totally froze on his name uh i mean mullins nick mullins mullins played so poorly in a loss the previous week they benched him for this rookie fifth round pick hall was so bad in one half of football they went back to mullins and meanwhile (laughs) mullins replaced josh dobbs who got the job done for a little bit then fell apart like he's going to because he's just not a, a high ceiling guy. He's kind of a one trick pony. After a bit, it's going to work against him more than it is for him. They've had to go through four quarterbacks this season. Do you think the Minnesota Vikings would not really like to have Mason Rudolph playing the way he is right now for them? They would have made the playoffs. 
They're not going to now because they ran out of quarterbacks. That said, what would the Vikings give to have a, a good veteran backup if and when they extend Kirk Cousins this offseason? If they have the money left, they're going to want to do it. And that market is set. The mid-level right now is $14 million. So you look at Rudolph, what he's done, and a lot of it, I don't want to put everything on Sunday. I don't think that's entirely fair. He's done enough in these two games that he's going to get paid that 11 to $14 million mark. If he goes higher than that, if if he goes higher than that, he will have gone out, beaten Baltimore, got this team to the postseason. Let's say everything works. They go to the postseason. They're at Miami in week one, okay? Miami, big offensive team. You like their matchup against the Steelers in, in many ways, but we've seen Pittsburgh's defense shut down Miami. Um, on top of that, Miami's even more banged up defensively than Pittsburgh is. So if Rudolph takes this hot streak into Miami, what happens if they win that game? If that's the case, if he won you a playoff game in four games in a row, the last two against two top teams in the AFC, how is he not your starting quarterback next year? That 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 that's would the be... question. <laughs> yes. And then you're talking twenty five million a year. Yes. A, a team is going to give him seventy five over three. That's a good market deal for Mason Rudolph. I know how crazy that sounds because none of this makes any sense. He's Cinderella man. Where did he come from? Now he was nothing before. We know Mason Rudolph. This was not a question of misevaluation. Don't give me any of that shit that Mike Tomlin didn't recognize this. That's that's garbage. There's no way that's possible. You saw him play 10 games. So did Mike Tomlin. Nobody in the league wanted this guy on their team, except for the Steelers. The only reason he's in the NFL is because they extended the emergency quarterback rule. That's the role he played all year long. You did not think he was as good as he's played. And that's not hyperbole. He played at a very high level the last two weeks, way above and beyond anything you could have reasonably expected from him. If he continues that, I don't think there's a way in the world he can't enter the market as a, 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 a starting level quarterback, certainly at a level higher than, than Tyler Haneke and his uh, uh, $14 million a year that he got from Atlanta, a team that doesn't have a quarterback either. One thing I did want to ask, Uh, And before I jump into that, I wanted to say, I think I got it wrong. And I want to personally apologize to the running backs of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here's the interesting thing that dawned on me when I was watching James Conner. I was just thinking against Philadelphia, James Conner and Najee Harris are about the same. That was the first thing I was thinking, but. For as hard as we've hit Najee, and I think it's been fair, the actual starting running back for the Steelers are both guys. It's it's when you combine both guys, you get a very good running back. Like, they absolutely complement what the other doesn't do. Like, they are a really good running back tandem, and... And big up to Najee Harris, third in the National Football League with 20 or 20 or more yard runs with eight. McCaffrey has 10. And I was just like, they they really complement each other. I just wanted to say that. But but the one thing I also wanted to ask, though, before we jump into the breakdown of the Raven game, 
We've seen Mason Rudolph's play, in my opinion, elevate a scheme that we both think is meh, it's pretty mid. And it just goes to show, and I just want to get your thoughts on it, that football is really gray. I mean, it's really gray. Is it scheme? Is it player? Is it coaches? Is it opponent? Like you mix all that stuff and it's definitely gumbo. Um, And so, you know, all of a sudden the scheme looks plausible um, because you have a quarterback playing at a high level and you have coordinators calling stuff. It seems to be fitting that player that they can actually execute. The nuance of this is incredible. What's your thoughts just overall, Justin, what you've seen uh, you know, from this just renaissance performance just um, that we're seeing from this Steeler offense. I mean, scheme, player, I mean, where are you tilting uh, this? What what does this look like? I mean, what's what's the major here's, cause of this? Here's the bottom line. We wanted, and, and you and me, Lance, included in this, we wanted to create a referendum on – Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan after each quarter, if not each game, we wanted to evaluate everything immediately. What we know is they blew up in the first game after Canada. Then they had a pretty brutal slide. Pickett got hurt. Mitch Trubisky legitimately played some of the worst quarterback I have ever seen in the NFL. He was that bad in the stretch that he was in there. And then you saw, Rudolph blow up. What's reasonable here? Pickett had a big game against Cincinnati, got hurt early against Arizona. Call it a no grade. We're not sure totally on Kenny Pickett with uh, Faulkner and Sullivan. We know that he had one good game. Maybe that's not enough time. We know Trubisky was terrible, and that drug down a lot of the offense right at a time where the defense got banged up beyond belief. Then we see Rudolph. Mason Rudolph play like legitimately the best quarterback in the NFL over the, these past two weeks. That's not hyperbole. Look at the stats. Nobody was more efficient than he was. For a fan base that couldn't walk two steps without bitching about Matt Canada, it's amazing to me that zero credit is being given to the new direction of the offense with the new quarterback who's in there. Both of these things can be true. You can get high-level play from a quarterback that elevates your offense and an offense that is moving in a much better direction than it used to. Both of these things are true, okay? It's hard right now to say Eddie Faulkner is not going to be the offensive coordinator next year. I don't think they're going to have Mike Sullivan calling plays. I think that that's something they're going to have to figure out, and a lot of times that's more financial than anything. Let me ask you this real quick. Let me ask you real quick. If they bring back Faulkner, does he scrap the current offense and bring an institute um, his own offense, his new offense, the Faulkner I, offense? Or does, does Faulkner does he have an offense? And, I mean, we, exactly. we can't, you know, he's, he's never <laughs> even called plays. That's why he's not calling plays <laughs> yeah. now. He doesn't have an offense. All right. Yeah. People make, people make way too much of that. It, 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 an offense is not so much of, the physical playbook. It, it's the mind that is making it. They don't run the same stuff every year anyway. I know you think they do, but they don't. They, they change everything. You have to. They, you're deep. 
Your opponents know what you're doing year in and year out. By this point in the season, they know what you're doing. You have to change it each year. It's how you come up with that. It's how you reinvent schemes that you're doing. That's coordination. And I, well, add this part in too. They have to take that and then teach it. They're not robots, okay? You've got to get the players to, to do what you've drawn up. And you have to fix whatever the issues are. That's the job of a coordinator. It's not sitting up in the booth and just calling plays as if everything is going to work because you called this play. It has to be executed on. So I, I don't know. What I know is offense. Your, your, your offense itself is fluid. And it involves contributions from a lot of people. One thing Mike Tomlin told Eddie Faulkner is that he wanted him to unite the staff. He wanted to get everybody involved. I take that to mean that that wasn't happening with Matt Canada. I don't know to the degree that all of this is working now, but clearly they're getting far better results than they did. Twice as much as they used to get. Something is working well. You probably want to keep doing that, but it, 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 with evolution of the game suggests you have to continue doing that, you know, because there's something to be said. People don't know Mike Sullivan's tendencies as a play caller. You know, they, they haven't experienced that because he wasn't doing it most of the season. You can make the argument now the Steelers have laid down some film. They've continued to adapt what they're doing. They're not running the same types of stuff all the time that they did with Canada. So it's making them a little bit harder to prepare for. There's a benefit to that, which is the downside to, to the enthusiasm, which I'm leading about Mason Rudolph. You're, you're playing in not a gadget offense, but your, your defensive opponent is not used to seeing any of this from the Steelers. They don't have a whole lot of film to really break it down. Uh, they have to continue to evolve. That's why you know the jury is still out on all this. We should be excited because the results are truthful. They are what they are from what we saw. Continuing that into next year, there's a lot that still needs to be done. But I, I don't where I sit right now. I don't think there's any way in the world it's not going to be Eddie Faulkner. Um, yeah, and they and want him it's... calling plays is is another thing. I, I'd imagine that they will. Um, maybe Sullivan continues as the quarterbacks coach. I, I'm not sure. Uh, it, it, it's this offense. This offseason got a lot more interesting for the Steelers over the last two weeks. There's a lot of big time decisions they have to make now. And somehow, with you saying that, I feel like it's the Green Hog Day, and if Faulkner's the coordinator. We'll be saying the same thing at this time next year. I, I just, I don't want that to happen. But let's shift to the Raven game. Very different game from the first matchup. No Canada as the coordinator, no picket. The offensive line is healthy in this matchup. Rudolph is playing like Brady. None of the Steelers' original inside linebackers are playing. No Chucks, no Minka, no Cam in the first matchup. Very different. Also in the first game, we had several things that occurred in the game that helped the Steelers secure the victory that I'm not sure could happen again. The Bateman TD drop, the Justice Hill loss fumble, the Aguilar drop in the end zone, the block <laughs> field goal by Killer won that game. Uh, the, the Zay Flowers drop on the would-be touchdown pass where he fell and the ball flew over his head when he was going to score on Levi Wallace. A lot of stuff happened in that game. But let me throw out a couple of stats in this game. I want you to answer the question of why 
the Steelers have such success against Lamar. I think the Steelers play Lamar better than anybody in the National Football League. Lamar has a career rating of 66.8 with only four TDs, seven interceptions, and a two and four record against the Steelers. Why do the Steelers do such a good job on, on, on Lamar? And why do they play the Ravens so tough? Fun fact of the week Lamar Jackson is a starter. His team is 29 and 1 against NFC opponents. 29 and 1. You look at his overall record, it's a lot worse than that against AFC teams, and specifically a lot worse than that against AFC North teams. And even more specifically, it ain't very good against the Steelers. <laughs> you know, I think it's probably around 500. The Steelers haven't gotten uh, Lamar every time they've played since he's been in the league. But he's I think he's two and four. My opinion, two and four. Okay. My opinion, the Steelers confuse him down the field. And I, I talked about this on a radio spot yesterday. It's it's hard to get into quickly, but Harbaugh, whether this is Greg Roman or Todd Monken this year, they seem to want to do battle with T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt does not have great statistical games against the Ravens because he's working his ass off against the run in those short passing lanes. They do a lot because of Watt's presence on the field, in my opinion. Uh, it's not just a pure pass rush thing. Watt is is he plays a much more disciplined rush uh, against Lamar. Like you have to, you, you let him get outside, he's gone. Watt has to hold that edge, but Watt also has significant responsibility as far as taking away that flat throw, whether it's him in coverage or him cutting that window off with long arms and, and great athleticism. Lamar, in my opinion. Lamar isn't looking down the field against Pittsburgh as often as he probably could be. Uh, at the same time, though, in reference to the last game, you brought up the drops. The drops are, are fair and valid. That happened. Lamar screwed up twice in, in significant ways. Okay? And I didn't mention exactly. Mistake. People I don't. Even, it's, uh. it's a whole thing in the world. Criticizing Lamar Jackson has to carry with it the ability to, to defend that criticism because you're going to get housed if you do that without reason. Lamar screwed up in that game, though. I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan. He is going to get 50 uh, uh, first-place MVP votes. I think he'd become the only guy that ever won it twice unanimously. He's a great player. He played like ass in the second half against the Steelers. And I, and I forgot to mention the terrible fade ball that yeah. Joey Porter picked was, off in the, that in was the awful. end zone. That was an awful, awful throw. Awful decision. What were they doing? He he went for it on fourth down. Do you remember that? Instead of kicking yeah. the field, I think it was at the end of the half. Yeah. Harbaugh did not want him to, to hike the ball unless he saw something that he wanted. He gave him the opportunity for that. But the point was they were going to call a timeout and kick the field goal. Lamar went for it, and he absolutely shouldn't have. It was a terrible decision. That cost him three points. And things like that, Lamar, he, he does that. He's put that away the last couple of games, and he's rightfully earned the MVP of, of the 2023 season. But he screws up against the Steelers. I, I think there is something to be said about perhaps the over-anxious nature of the Ravens against the Steelers. Because, look, you know, it, objectively speaking, they've played, of their last six games, the Steelers have beaten them five times. And I picked the Ravens to win all six of those games. It shouldn't have happened the way that it's happening. It has to be something. You know, it, it, 
you don't get the best from Lamar Jackson against the Steelers. I don't know if he's pushing. Um, it, it's it's hard to break that down in the time that we have here, but he's not as great a player against Pittsburgh. Now, ask me if he plays, if that's going to change this weekend, because to be honest with you, I don't think we've seen a team play better than the Ravens have the last couple of weeks over the last decade. They're, oh my God, they're really, really good. Uh, I don't I don't see how they lose another game this year. Maybe they don't play their guys, but they're going to give them some work. And I, I don't know if Pittsburgh is good enough to, to you know, win a game, even if their backups are playing half the time, the way that they're playing right now. To Corey's question, I'm looking at it here. The Steelers have won one, two, three, four, five, six, six of the last seven, six seven against seven. the Ravens. Hey, it, uh, it's just ridiculous. I think I was ranting about this the last time. That's why I say five and six. Five out of six. They they absolutely should not have won earlier this season. That was the Ravens game from the start. They screwed that up. Um, but they, this this the Ravens credit to their to their coaching their their players. They are a vastly improved team from the beginning of the year to now. They are playing outstanding football. And I, I again I you know this Sunday is not an, an equal market game for them. But I they're going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think anybody can beat them head up right now I, I disagree with that we'll get into <laughs> that later in terms of who i think will win the super bowl but uh to chris osu's question and, and correct me if i'm wrong didn't the ravens lose in the first round or their first playoff game last year i'm trying Probably. to think. <laughs> i think they lost to uh Did they make the playoffs last year uh i'm not sure it might have been a couple of years ago when they had the bye they didn't play their guys. No, was, yeah, the, the, the same situation exists now. They played the Steelers in a throwaway final week of the season game, and they, they sat everybody. They had the week off. They were celebrating. They were all really excited for themselves, and then Tennessee kicked the piss out of them in the divisional yeah, round. So I'm going to yeah. guess Harbaugh is going to play his guys this time around. Plus, yeah. Pittsburgh's got to win this game to get in. They don't have Duck Hodges playing this this year. You know, this is a, a better Steelers team than it was in 2019. Uh, Harbaugh knows that. Harbaugh's going to want to push them to, to carry the momentum that they have uh, into the playoffs because they they were rusty. They were flat against Tennessee, and Tennessee took it out on them hard. That was, that was one of my favorite games of all time. Wow, that was one-sided. Tennessee just boat raced them. Um a horrible situation for Baltimore, <laughs> which of course was great. To, with, so, so I agree with you. I, and to Chris Osu's question, um, I, I think they're going to play the game to win the game. I think they're going to play the game like a regular game. I, I don't think they take Lamar I out. I think they're going to play it fourth quarters. We've, we've um, just seen both think... teams be completely flat in the divisional after a bye when they sat guys in, in week 18 we, or, or right, the final week right. of the season. It used to be week 17. That's two weeks off. You can't give them that much time off. It, it this is a game about rhythm. It's a game about consistency. They've got to play. It's you know I I understand you're risking injury. You're always risking injury. Okay, that's always a thing. But it, we we have seen way too many top seeds get upset not winning a playoff game because they're awful in the first half of a game. They're flat. They're not in rhythm with one another. Maybe they tried to do too much. Maybe they didn't do enough. They they got out of rhythm. Is is the overall point here? They have a bye week. They can rest during the bye week. 
injuries happen anywhere. And I, you know, I, I sincerely hope nobody gets hurt because that sucks. Like Miami right now, it's not nearly fun anymore. <laughs> They're just a, a beaten unit that grossly over-earned uh, based on the team that they're going to carry into the playoffs. It's just not fair. Um, that said, they may as well just keep the train going. You know, if, if I don't know, you, you're counting on your opponent to play with sportsmanship. I don't see the Steelers, despite their opponents bitching about it every week, I don't see the Steelers taking cheap shots. I don't see them diving at Lamar's knees or anything like that. Keep him in the pocket. Tell him to just get rid of the ball. Don't run today play the game, but you've got to get reps. You've got to continue to play on the schedule that you've been playing because your schedule is about to change. You have next week off, you know, get as close to that as you can. And, and, and to Mark's losses point, I don't, coaches don't go into games thinking about Lamar's injury history just, and just propensity can't. to get beat up by the Steelers. You're, you're just managing the game. You got too much going on. You're That's just trying to win the game. You're That's gonna get, going to hurt get hurt if you exactly. ask guys to do things that aren't overly natural to them. And I understand I just made the point tell Lamar not to run. I don't mean that literally. It's more don't design runs for him. If he has to escape the pocket, escape the pocket. But be mindful, go down, get out of bounds. And they've always coached him really well with that, which is why people, you know, his injury history, I don't think is as severe as people make it out to be for what he's doing. But you you need to play. Not for this game because, yeah, they don't need to win. We know that, Mark. What you need to do, though, is is maintain some continuity over your team. Because as I just highlighted, they got destroyed their next game after playing all their backups against the Steelers at the end of the season and, and having a little party for themselves. They let their guard down, and they got punched in the mouth. The best Ravens team ever got destroyed in the first round of the playoffs. They're not going to want that to happen again. Play the game for real. That's the way it's meant to be played. You have to play it that way. Game predictions. I'm going to, since since I'm predicting the Steelers lose every single week and they win every week, I am predicting that after, on a short week, coming back from the West Coast from Seattle, where you lose some time in prep, uh, although they know the Ravens very well, I'm going to pick the Ravens to beat the Steelers in a close game in Baltimore, ending the Steelers' 2023-24 uh, season. I'm going to pick the Ravens to beat the Steelers uh, 31-17. I think the Steelers come back to earth on offense. Uh, I think Mason plays well, but you're talking about uh, the best defense possibly in the National Football League, them uh, Cleveland and the San Francisco 49ers. So I'm going with the Ravens uh, 31-17, which means it'll be absolutely close and the Steelers will win. <laughs> and we will watch some scenario happen and they won't make the playoffs. What's your prediction, Neil? Not an easy team to predict this season by any stretch. Um, I think Baltimore is going to come out immediately with their starters and they are going to go for blood right away. I think they're going to throw it up a bunch because that's what they've been doing. Um, Lamar's hot. They're dialed in to, to what he can do, and they're letting him read the field a lot more than, than playing within the structure I think that he's used to. And some of that is due to Mark Andrews' absence. I think him, in, in a way, uh, a fantastic player, one of my favorite players to watch. Moving him out has forced everyone else to step up around him and 
divide targets across the field. It's not just the rookie receiver. It's not just Bateman. It's not just uh, likely. It, it's there are a lot of guys contributing to all this, and they're still running the ball very well. Um, they're going to come out firing right away and probably pull guys in the second half, but I, I think that'll be enough to win. I'm going to go uh, Ravens 33, Steelers 20. And we'll have, and, and with that, we're going to conclude the program, and we'll have some questions, uh, and we'll definitely bring you a show on Saturday. We'll talk, and if it's the end of the season, of course we're going to continue to bring you one show a week, and we'll get into some more thematic stuff on Saturday if indeed it is the end of the season hopefully the Steelers will win the game everything works out I doubt it very seriously (laughs) we will be talking about a Steeler matchup against Miami next week but stranger things have happened and with that we're going to conclude the program and as always tune in tell a friend and subscribe Happy New Year. Happy 2024 to you all. Go Steelers.